0: I feel seen and I feel like for the first time in my life, there's somebody who just accepts everything about me. And I think that's what everybody's looking for in life is that person who makes them feel like you aren't a problem. Hi, we are
1: Colleen and Colleen, and we have made it our mission to spread kindness and make everyone feel like they belong. So each week, we will share real-life stories, motivating insights, and helpful tips that will inspire you to live a kinder, happier life. We believe that together, we can make the world a much better place. Are you in? I'm in. Let's
2: do this. Welcome to the You Fit Here podcast. Hi, guys. It's CB. And CS. And... And we have a very special guest today, our friend Steph. She was part of our "Let's Redefine Normal" campaign that we did. How many years ago? Four, four years ago. Four years ago, ish,
1: mm-hmm.
2: or five? Four, yeah, four. And she just is like a beaming ray of sunshine and information. And she spoke so eloquently about her life and her story, and. We had to bring her on the podcast for all of you to listen to her story because you guys are going to learn so much, feel so much love and acceptance for someone that might be different than you. And
1: we are so thankful she is with us. So thank you, Steph.
0: Thanks, guys. I'm excited to be here.
1: Yay. I remember we dwelled on this in a really good way forever after the video. But you said something magnificently magical about there being rare air about like the space, and obviously we hope every episode is has that feeling. But especially today, it is—it's a really awesome opportunity for us, and I think for our listeners too. So I just feel not that—I mean, rare in a good way, obviously. So let us yeah, be rare. Actually,
2: in the first draft of our our campaign, that was not in it, and both of us made a stink saying we need her audio bit saying that this is rare air we're breathing right now people who want to make a difference and I was like we need it in the video we
0: talk about Uh, it still so yeah well I that was one of the coolest things that I've ever done or been a part of in my life and it's definitely something that like lit me on fire when we were done and um it was rare air and it still is you guys make a real like impact and I think one that you don't always see but uh, there's people I know, like that I had no idea knew what mama said teas were, what every kind is and come up to me on the streets and talk to me about it. So, uh, to this day, so it's a big deal. You guys are amazing.
1: Aww. we need
2: to, We need to do a, a re reboot of let's redefine normal, like a current yeah. version, a little updated. Where yeah. are they now?
1: I was just yeah. going to say that.
2: <laughs> that was special. Um, so Steph is a proud member of the LGBTQ community, and she is actually getting married this year to her
0: fiancé Taylor, right? Sure she is. Well, theoretically, it was this year. Yeah. Okay. It's, currently, it's oh. TBD 2021. But, you right, know.
2: All right. All right. Thanks well, a lot, Corona. Yeah. Thanks a lot. But um, she just has this beautiful story and all the hardships she overcame that we wanted to share with you guys. So Steph, what... Take us back to the beginning. What were the feelings and emotions when you first realized that maybe you weren't, quote unquote, like everybody else around you?
0: I think that's a really good way to put it, because that's exactly how I would. That is the exact thought that went through my head. And I can tell you, I have this one defining thought, and I probably don't for another like six years. But in seventh grade, I had a friend who was walking away from my desk. I still remember who it was. Her name was Brett Allen. And she walked away. And I just remember being like, I, I like her more than I'm supposed to. Like I don't, I don't look at her the way everybody else does, but then I kind of just pushed that aside and moved on with my life until I fell in love or I fell for a girl when I was about 15. When I, she just became my best friend. And like, we just instantly connected and clicked, I think. And at the time it was so innocent. She was just like this girl that I found like finally gets me. And, you know, I'm, one of five kids. So there's a lot going on. So I think it was the first time in my life. Like I really felt seen. Um, and that was a big part. And then we just, I don't know, you fall into this like intense. I mean, it was high school, so it's like so intense. And I, I can tell you that the night that I first kissed a girl, we stayed up to like four in the morning watching MTV when there was still music videos on television. And it was just the same ones over and ag- over and again. And it was the killers' song. Um where it's like it was only a kiss, it was only oh a kiss. Yeah, 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 and that After song just Bright kept Night. coming on, and then finally I was like, script. we're gonna do this. But oh I mean, God. it was it was horrifying afterwards. I mean, it was terrifying, like just to f- figure out, holy crap, like I, I'm, what am I gonna do because I'm not supposed to feel this way.
2: Oh my gosh, I can't imagine feeling something inside of you and then feeling like. That was bad. Pull the curtain down. This is wrong. This like, is wrong. This is wrong. But it's not wrong. It's just who you are.
0: That is, it is a very, and it's something that like I struggled with. I mean, I'm going to say like I, in the last 18 to 24 months, I've really come to like full acceptance of who I am. And I no longer feel guilty like I did something wrong or like there's this small voice in my head that says you're going to go to hell. Like, that's insane. But it's just it was and it's not that anyone was beating it into my head, like you're gay, you're going to go to hell. It was just the way it had always been spoken about to me. Um, yeah. And so it was just something that I had ingrained in my head before I even realized that it was impacting who I was. And there was a long time when I kind of pushed that all away, um, and religion in general way, for that reason. But
2: Yeah, it's your conditioning that you're raised with, however, it's spoken about or anything. And you grew up going to Christian school, right?
0: Yes. So, kinder or preschool through the end of sixth grade, I was in a Christian Baptist school, which was an experience. I did one time get in trouble for wearing a uh, matching tracksuit to school with my Justin Timberlake. uh, T-shirt underneath, it was baby blue because he loved <laughs> North Carolina, and it had his face like over here, and then like a dancing <laughs> person. Yeah, so I think that was the picture with my bucket hat on that everyone <laughs> should have known I was gay in the fourth grade when I picked the fishing pole uh, picture instead of the basket of flowers. But that's that not there.
2: Amazing. So when you first started having these, you know, emotions that you're processing or feelings was it fear of what people would think of you or fear or was it something else? Like you
0: mentioned guilt, but I think it was a combination of one of the things that was exciting because it was like my heart got lit on fire. Like I can still remember, I mean, I think everybody remembers the first time they fell in love, but like, there's also something, you know, I think when something you're, when you're not supposed to do something, it makes it that much more like intense. And so I think that that added this level of like, I just wanted to hold on to it. And I didn't want anyone to know not be, you know, partially because I felt felt like I was going to get in trouble. And partially because I felt like I was going to be judged. But in reality, it was about the fact that this was something so special, I didn't want to let anybody know, like I didn't I wasn't, a, I wasn't, it was so personal that I wasn't ready to like share it with anyone. Now, of course we were 15. So we were making googly eyes to each other in the hallways nonstop. So everyone knew, um, so it didn't work very well. But um, I would say you feel all those things like having, I mean, it took me, let's say, okay. So I was 12 when I first thought about it. I was 15 when I first started dating a girl. When I was 25 is when I actually addressed it with my parents. Um, mm-hmm they caught me. I'm using air quotes because we're on radio and you can't see me. podcast. <laughs> um, but date, uh, kissing, or I don't know. I can't remember. We were watching. I can tell you that we were watching. Remember the Titans. And <laughs> that there was maybe some cuddling, slow low, low c- canoodling happening. And my mom walked in and was like, Stephanie Jane. And to, to her credit, like it was, I'm sure jarring to see. And like, she was doing the very best she could, but like that, Um, we, we touched on it that evening. We spoke a lot about, about it that night. Um, and then, you know, after some things, after some time passed, really my dating life just didn't get brought up again for 10 years.
1: Wow. I cannot imagine just with raising a teenager right now and learning what I'm learning about all the things that teenagers hide anyway, and just remembering, the things I just can't imagine, like kind of the most sentimental special part of who you are having to be one of those things that, that you, you feel like you have to hide, but on a good note, at least it was something that you, you felt you wanted to keep private. That just like made me really sad to think about because I know it's natural for teenagers to have secrets, you know? Absolutely. But it was
2: like a (laughs) sacred thing. So From well, and the experience of you weren't necessarily ready to like present this to your mom, it just kind of happened. But then, what did you do to almost find comfort and still remain who you were for those 10 years that it wasn't discussed again?
0: I mean, it was hard. I I am definitely a uh, college helped a lot because I found people that were like me. Um, I, I, met more gay people. I, I met friends that didn't care because in high school, it was just gossip. Like, it's not that anyone was like intentionally hateful to me, but certainly my name was getting brought up a lot. And like, it's not fun to go to go to school when everybody's talking about you. Um, and especially when you're my number one thing was screw it. If they all know, but I, my parents cannot find out because of, How they react. I mean, I was nervous they would find out when they did. And again, you know, I have a great relationship with my parents now and we can kind of dive into all the different layers of that. But at the time, my parents were doing the best they could. And it it was 2004. And they thought they were protecting their daughter and doing the best they didn't understand. And my mom has definitely since apologized to me just in the last couple of years, like I wish I just, and said basically that, like, I just wish you, I would have let you come talk to me even if I didn't understand. But to her credit, I think, I mean, I have a wonderful parents and my mom definitely was trying. It just, it was very hard. And then afterwards it was the secret. It was like holding a grenade. Like I was, I definitely was depressed for a while. Um, I, like I said, when I went to college, that really helped because I, I found a group of people that were like, me or that certainly didn't judge. Um, and that made a huge difference just feeling seen and feeling like it wasn't just me alone out here.
2: Yes. I mean, that's probably the most heartbreaking thing is feeling like for me to just be who I am. I'm totally alone, (sighs) especially at that time. It's not like it is today where, You know, there's more representation, there's more stuff in our society than it was so few and far between. Absolutely.
0: I mean, like I, I have told you this before, but I mean, the only representation, the only other other than hearing about people like negatively speak like, oh, we think he's gay um Mm -hmm. about like the random single guy that lived on the street corner and you know I like grew up in a small town so everybody was kind of in everybody's business but Will and Grace which there you know was two gay men on but no lesbians and you know I was too young to know about Ellen like her sitcom so as I got older she became a more prevalent actually that's one of the things when I came out my dad was like you're not Ellen DeGeneres (laughs) <laughs> and it was like an involuntary response so i love you dad awesome. but it was <laughs> quite funny um I feel like i uh, wish i
2: was under yeah i was like dude my wardrobe counted. is
0: on point yeah. <laughs> um but it definitely you know it was hard because i didn't know and i mean I, like i said there i think there was a girl on the challenge tv show who wore a t-shirt that said lesbian and i was like oh my god there are more it's not just me like, and it made a huge, I mean, I just, the guilt and the feeling like I had to hide myself, you know, I wish I would have had the courage or the, you know, I, I've always had a complex about being perfect. I don't want to disappoint anybody. I mean, it's it, to this day, it's something that I have to acknowledge, like what's good for stuff and what am I doing for the sake of other people? But that's another podcast. So even today, I think representation is something that's really important because back then I definitely, I had no one, that I could relate to. And so I was very afraid of the consequences of losing everyone in my life. Um, And it's amazing how much more representation there is now. But to this day, like there is very limited shows where the content, it's not a side character. Like there's a lot of gay characters on TV right now, but how many of them are the main character of the show if it's not a show for gay people? So, but I was telling you guys earlier so there used to be the show called the l word we all loved it in college like i said every every uh lesbian on the planet or bisexual gal has a copy of the l word somewhere in a closet that's beat to help um because we watched it over and over and over again in our dvd players that and a working knowledge of brandy carlisle lyrics that's really the secret <laughs> to be in the club if you guys ever need it. but there they rebooted the show and it was just last spring it was on tv and I can't tell you like what a diff I started watching it and I loved the show back then. So I was excited. It was coming back. They've got some of the same characters, like all those things are awesome. But when I saw my life reflected and it's like, obviously they're all, you know, beautiful and live in LA. And so it's an idealized version of my life, but it is, it just like, it makes you feel seen. And I think that's what, if I had to wrap all of it up, like what the gill and, and everything as a kid, I just never felt seen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I said, my parents were trying to do the right thing. I had a much better experience than a lot of young gay people do. And I'm certainly not the expert on like what it's like to be gay. I'm just, this is Stephanie Miles' personal experience. And like the bet, you know, I'm just trying to do the best I can with the hand that I was dealt. And like I said, I'm incredibly blessed. But it was it was just hard to feel like, especially at that young age, my parents just didn't see me. My family, you know, every time somebody made an offhanded comment, even if it was about some celebrity, like being gay, i read into that, the tone of voice they used, how they described it, who they described it to. And I built up in my head that if I ever come out, I'm going to lose everyone in my life. I'm going to lose my family. I- I'm never going to get a job. I'm not going to be able to support myself. I'm never going to have a family And so like, I just retreated into this two different people. I mean, like I, when I was with my family, I was very subdued and like, I was angry all the time because I felt like I was closed up in this tiny little box and I wasn't trying to let any of my feelings escape. And so then it's like, anytime somebody said something remotely, like not even critical, just challenging, I, I just was a complete mess. And I erupted and spent a long time being angry and frustrated. And like, I it hurt. It was awful. You know, you feel like you got put in a box and everybody deserves to feel seen.
2: Did you feel like, I know their reaction, obviously they did the best they could. And so many parents just don't know what to do. You know, they're not trained to know how to handle finding out any of that information. But did you feel like everyone just kind of wanted to ignore it and hope it went away. If that makes sense. Like maybe that was just a phase. Maybe we just caught her in something. It's going to
0: 15 for sure. Yeah. Like, and I mean, the only people that knew, I mean, if you really like it was pretty traumatizing. So 15, I've recently gotten a cell phone. Cell phones are new. They don't, they're not cool iPhones where you can like swipe and delete all your text messages very quickly. Like, It was like, each one was an individual message that came into your phone. And I had saved, like, remember that? Like, each time I texted you, it was a new text message. So if I wanted to go to like an old text message, you had to scroll down to the bottom of your phone and see where you sent that message. So I, like, this happens, we're watching Remember the Titans, my girlfriend gets kicked out of the house, and then my mom was like, give me your cell phone. And... I will tell you, if you want late PTSD later in life, read every one of your child's, um, especially if they're newly in a relationship and experimenting for the first time, Mm -hmm. all their text messages to their significant other that they don't think are ever going to be read and are not Mm deletable in front of your father or their father. That's an exciting piece of it. So that was not an exciting evening for me. Oh, yeah. aloud, But yeah, it was bad. It was just really bad.
1: And you feel like you're in, in trouble. And I Absolutely. Mean, that and, sucks. And at the time,
0: yeah. And again, like in all fairness to my parents, they were shocked. They, there wasn't gay people. People didn't have gay kids at that time. Like they did, but they didn't talk about it.
1: You know, I, I'm my children. We talk about it all the time. I mean, we just talk about it in general. My, um, baby daughter, youngest daughter, however you want to say that, her godfather is gay. And it's it's kind of a blessing because she he comes up so often in conversation that it is just part of our dialogue. And it's just something that they talk about. We just talked about it last night. I sent him a video. But I do think – and we love your parents. Mom and dad, we love you. Steph's mom and dad, we love you. Um, We love your parents. And I just can't – I can't imagine – that long ago, not that it was that long ago, but even compared to today, you have this kind of like vision of like what your kid's life is going to be. And if, if it, if it, I think it's just the processing of that. It's not even that they, that most parents are like disapproving or unhappy. It's just a shock factor and like, you can't blame them. And that's why I think it's so important for people to listen
0: my parents hear this like I love you I totally understand that you were trying to do the best you could with the information you had at the time you were trying to be the best parents you possibly could and you saw a threat and you were trying to protect your daughter but I think it would be a disservice if I didn't share my story from my perspective Mm -hmm. because I know there are a lot of other kids who are one in the same boat if not now they were back then and didn't have don't have the relationships with my parents that I do now. Mm-hmm. So I can tell you, it would be a lot harder for me to talk about if I didn't have a great relationship with my parents right now, but I can split sure. back and acknowledge where they were coming from, but still acknowledge like what the experience was for me. Mm-hmm. So after that, so I, so I had to turn in my cell phone. I kind of laugh about it now. Cause it's just like, did this really happen to me? It's so far, you know, it's, it's so far gone, but every night at six o'clock we prayed every morning before I went to school. And I definitely attended a, I don't know that you could, a parody would say a pray away the gay therapy. It was definitely, um, a, an experience. It was like a round table with other kids that I think were questioning. And all I remember is that the pastor used an outlet, like a, like a plug like an extension cord Mm -hmm. to explain why being gay didn't make sense because like in an extension cord you have prong yeah the whole thing the visual you have in your head that's horrifying right now Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, I was 15 was like what the heck is happening get me out of here like fine I won't be gay we won't talk about it it's fine and like I said I can laugh now and I mean it was very traumatic then and I definitely for years spent time like I would be fusing my hair And like, all of a sudden have this moment, I'd like drop the hairdryer, like back into that time when I was so afraid, because I felt like I was just being rejected for being me. Mm -hmm. And that's like, that screws with a person like that hurts. I mean, and it damaged something inside of me that like, I'm still healing. Mm -hmm. I still have a need to be perfect. And I can tell you from that moment on, like I started building a resume like I graduated with a GPA that was above a 12.0. I was, you know, direct admit, you know, I did all, I was building all these accomplishments to try to say, look, mom and dad, look at all these good things I did. I know I'm going to have to tell you I'm gay one day, but here are all the wonderful things I am and, and be impressed with me and, and think I'm great. And I was just trying to build, create value because I felt like I didn't have any.
2: Oh my gosh, Steph that just shatters your heart and you know that it's almost like you have to retreat a whole part Mm -hmm. of yourself into these shadows in the dark to be like, everyone just accept me for my accomplishments and let's pretend that this stuff isn't actually happening inside of me.
0: Absolutely. And I mean, from that conversation, that year of praying and, and, um, remember the titans we didn't talk about no one asked in my family now my little sister has been calling me out on my on my uh, crap since she could speak so she was fully aware the whole time but mm-hmm. um we didn't I, nobody just asked no one even asks about whether I had a, like my relationship status for the next 10 years I think my parents were afraid to mm-hmm. so I was able but I lived two separate lives when I was in Bloomington I was happy go lucky and down to have a good time and let's You know, let's let's just all smile and hug and get together and like hang out. And and I was myself. But when I went home, I was totally closed off. I felt like I was that little 15 year old kid scared to, you know, do anything, scared to speak Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, I remember I so I talk in my sleep. I used to be afraid to go on vacations because I was afraid I'd come out to my parents in my sleep that I would say, like, I'm gay when I was like, I remember not sleeping through vacations immediately afterwards. And it's funny, because like, a lot of these things, I'm just remembering now that we're talking about them. But yeah. like, it was, it definitely was something that I have been unpacking for the last 15 for half my life.
2: Yeah, wow. I mean, that's, that's so heavy, traumatic, going through all of that. And, you know, thank goodness, you have a great relationship with your family. Now, but trying to understand how are they processing all of this, like without representation as parents, what to do. And kids nowadays, of course, there's so much more representation and better examples out there, but there's still so many who are in the same boat who fear showing that side of them or just who they are, not that side of them, but not being two people. For absolutely parents
0: well and I know I mean I still have friends who are not out to their parents Mm -hmm. I have a friend that's married and is not out to her parents and it's because in her culture and her life like it's just not in how she grew up it's it's not a battle she's willing to have and I think and I I completely respect that for her because I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions in coming out like and I think we'll it's not a one there's a quote and it says it's not a one-time act at the Apollo Mm -hmm. and coming out is something that I do every single day like whether I am at the grocery store and I am you know I want to hold my fiance's hand whether I am at um, I'm making a hotel reservation or a dinner reservation or I'm on the phone with a customer service person I have to reference my my future wife or my fiance or I'm at the doctor and they want my you know, emergency contact, like in, in business, I, you know, especially like I have an engagement ring, so I will wear it and people will ask, well, what's your husband do and, or your fiance do. And they expect it to be a man. And it's each time, each day, I have to, you know, and I will say less and less, I have to do this, but I have to evaluate the, the situation I'm in and how safe it is for me to come out, to be honest about who I am. Because unfortunately, we just still live in a world where I can't take that for granted yet. It's amazing. You know, the Supreme Court in the last five years, gay marriage has been legalized, but it was in the last five years, yeah. like two weeks ago, I finally cannot be fired for being gay. Like two weeks ago, the Supreme Court passed something that means that I'm protected at work. But, you know, it's, it's just, it's a, it's an everyday thing and it gets easier and easier, but it's never easy. I still get nervous. I still get, when I have to, when I knowingly have to out this myself, like, especially professionally, it definitely makes me, makes me super nervous.
2: I mean, the amount of courage it takes to just be yourself and to be enough for everyone around you.
0: And I think that's something like, that's, that's something I've struggled with my whole life is just, am I enough? And, you know, a a shout out to my fiance, like that is when if I had to say somebody had to describe like what makes my like relationship work is that I just I feel seen and I feel like for the first time in my life, there's somebody who just accepts everything about me. And I think that's what everybody's looking for in life is that person who makes them feel like you aren't a problem you're okay, just how you are. And I think that that's what every gay person wants. Like, if I had some advice for parents, if your kid, if you think they're gay, if you think they're on the LGBTQ spectrum, because people aren't just like gay or straight. Mm -hmm. And I know the world is full of like, questions and inequities and and conundrums right now. And everybody's trying to learn to be better. And well, you know, there's lots of opportunity to do so anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, Or learn about something you didn't know. But like, If you suspect or have, you know, an inkling that you think someone in your life might be LGBTQ and they're struggling to come out or they, you know, they may not know. So it's a personal thing. Like it took me a long time to be okay with the fact that I'm gay Mm -hmm. and to be comfortable and confident enough to talk about it and not feel ashamed. Like, it's funny. I used to have a hard time just saying the word like lesbian or gay. Like I would, my voice would be like, well, I'm a lesbian because I was ashamed, yeah. And so my advice, like the best reaction that you get is no reaction. Like, okay. And yeah. yeah so cool. What is, is that what you wanted to talk about? And, and I, I'm, you know, don't be flippant about it because this is a big deal. Anybody that comes out, whether you think they're the, you know, most flamboyant child on the planet, like, of course, you've been gay since you were two years old. I, what are you're not telling me anything like they, it is a moment where you're looking for acknowledgement and to be seen, but like giving a hug and saying, like, I see you right where you're at.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I'm
0: meeting you here is a big deal. Yeah, And really, and I think that's the same attitude I take with my parents. They weren't perfect. They aren't perfect now. Neither am I. But the best thing I can do as a kid to have a relationship that I want with my parents is to meet them where they're at. They don't always do and say the right thing. But they're my parents, and I love them, and they're trying. And what else can we ask of the people that we love?
2: Absolutely. I just finished Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed, and she was watching a show um, by the way, she came out after having kids and a marriage with a man and then divorced him and married Abby Wambach. And
0: Abby watched, Wambach? Yeah. They watched a show and – oh, you got her this back? This is the national team story, but it's about – I was actually at the 2015 World Cup when Abby Wambach was a part of winning the third Women's World Cup. Oh my gosh. I love her. As as a lesbian and soccer fan, I feel like Abby and I are friends. Yeah. Obviously. My apologies for interrupting and showing everyone a book that they can't see because this is a podcast, but.
2: (laughs) Your besties. I get it. it. Um, But they were watching a show together and one of the kids came out in the show and Glennon references that they said, I love you. And then she said, please don't say it. Please don't say it. And then they said, no matter what. And she's like, when you say that, That makes it seem like it's a negative. So your reaction, though they were trying to be very, you know, relevant and with today, they're still saying, I love you, despite this fact about you, instead of just, I love you as you are. I'm here with you as you are right now. And I really love that she made that point because I even say it about silly stuff, but I love you no matter what, then it's like, well, I'm kind of disapproving of this thing. And I just think there's so much information nowadays for parents if you have an inkling or something or people to relate to on the other end if it's not you who is lgbtq to be prepared you know to embrace that or not even be prepared but how can we learn how can we do this
0: i'd say what so one of the good things is we talked about like representation is a big deal yeah so like now Every show has a gay character. So like kids, kids are seeing these things. They're asking questions. Like my nieces at eight years old, do you think I knew on, there was no comprehension that I had that two women could get married? Yeah. No, they couldn't back then. But you know, like I didn't know again, any gay people and like my nieces, you know, they just like when people, they are so innocent that they just, they're so loving and accepting and there's no. It's not like a big deal where they need some explanation of who you are and how did how long have you known? And da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. like, they just, okay, Teffy, I love you. Cool. Te- yes. I love Tay-Tay. She's going to be my, she's going to be my aunt too. Like, it's just, it's a, that, and that's the type of loving acceptance that like everybody wants, period. Yeah. Like I always talk about, there's nothing like baby love because they love you unconditionally. Like wow. that is what feeling like loved is. When I walk in the room and those little, girl teffy and they run up to me like there is my heart it's like the grinch it just mm-hmm. it, it's it expands six sizes but is it, just talk about it normalize it you know yeah. my advice to my friends with kids who they think might be gay is instead of asking them are you gay because that puts a kid on the spot who's maybe not ready to acknowledge that within themselves they also might just be curious yeah. maybe they're into boys and girls but just let them know it's okay to live their truth Talk about it, you know, talk about the fact, or if they say I have a crush on someone, well, is it a boy or a girl? Yeah. Just asking a simple question like that normalizes it in a way that even if that's not the kid that's gay, even if it's not the kid you think, like I would encourage all parents to talk to their children like that because there's lots of kids that don't, you know, I don't want to say look gay, but like they don't, it's not like you're going to know as a child that your kid's going to grow up and be gay. You might, but you might not. Right. And so don't make an assumption for them. Yeah, ask questions because- if you're curious or or say, th- ask questions that aren't, are you this? That puts them into a box, but just says, well, who, you know, what do they look like? Are is it a boy or a girl? You know, and that's, that would be my best advice is just to talk about it. Like you would talk about anything like.
2: Yeah. Because when we make the assumption, oh, you have a crush. What's his name? it's like you're already telling them who they should like and
0: exactly. that it might not be okay yeah. if they like if if she if her name is Rachel yeah. and not Ricky.
2: Totally, totally. And when you grew up that way, which most, I'm sure people did in the time when you grow up and before that, of course. And then religion plays a part in it and you're just taught that it's not at a normal considering mm-hmm. we did the let's redefine normal campaign and that, you know, there's something different about you and that different, is ne- isn't necessarily a good thing. Absolutely. And it needs to be, you know, prayed away, like you said, which is just so traumatic. What, how has that kind of transitioned? Did you stray away from it or found faith in other ways or, you know, how does that happen? Cause that's such a big part of what I think people go through.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I think um in a in some capacity, the LGBT community and the li- religious community feel like they're, you know there there's a lot of polarity there and mm-hmm. diametric opposition. but in a lot of ways, uh, being gay has increased my faith. I will say so, growing up, like, it's weird because, so I went to this Christian school, but it was like Bible Christian or like Baptist Christian. So it was like, there is to be no fun or laughter or dancing. And I love all three of those things. So that was not gonna work for me. And then there was this church where I was growing up and it was like what my my um, uncle still refers to as rock and roll church and it like had a band and my friends were going and I like was so in I was so in I this is where I hung out I mean from Thursday nights when I had youth group through Sunday at 8 p.m. I was there as much as I possibly could and I was involved in everything I was up doing the choreography for the youth group and like the kids and I am you know trying to this was like I threw myself into this culture and it's weird because it's right around the time that I realized I was gay and I don't know if at the time that was like me trying to balance both sides or at the time I felt like I think because I was gay I just felt like I needed a home I needed somebody someplace where I didn't feel like I was going to be judged and even though I couldn't be honest about necessarily who I was or I couldn't articulate that at the time I think that's a lot of what it was and again I mean it was a really big part of my life for a very long time now I can tell you that like there certainly was a time when I walked away from religion because not, not like I would say that, like, I was like, I don't believe in God, but that I just had no interest in it because I felt like it was being used against me all the time. And I felt like when I did go to college and I came out, a lot of those people who I was really close to kind of backed off. And I'm a very imperfect person. Like I'm super sensitive. All of this, like happiness and smiles is definitely who I am, but like, I'm a deeply sensitive and emotional person. So like, and I care very much about like, if I hurt another person that I care about, or if I disappoint them, it really eats at me. And so I think part of it was just running away because I felt like, God, like I cannot be, I, I just, everyone who has any faith hates me. And I wasn't out to my parents, so I just was assuming, you know, we had this one experience, it was, we used a lot of religion as why that can't be true. You can't be gay because blah, 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 blah. And again, they were doing the best they could in the time that they had. That was not the intention, but it's it was used to me as like the opposite. Like mm-hmm. you can either be gay or be a Christian. So I have a very strong faith, but I definitely still struggle with organized religion because so many times, at least the people screaming the loudest are using that as the reason. And, and there's still something in the bottom of my, you know, 15 year old head that says like, no, they're not going to love you anymore. Like they don't, they don't approve. And to this Mm -hmm. day, like I have to recognize that like, just because someone is super religious does not mean they're going to dislike me. Like I have to consciously say that, quit being biased, quit Mm -hmm. assuming that because this person is open about their faith that they have something that's that they disagree with you in some capacity, because I have so many friends with such strong faiths that are trying to get those stigmas like taken away from their churches and their, their lives and and whatever. So um, I think that's a very convoluted answer to a very short question, but yeah, I, I still say that I, I am, you know, on a walk with God, I think there's times we've walked closer together and times that we've been farther apart. And so I'm just doing the best that I can trying to learn. And, you know, I think, I think God made me the exact way that I'm supposed to be. Like I said earlier, thank God I'm gay because it has shaped my life and experience in a way that I wouldn't trade for the world.
2: Yeah. In the Untamed book with Glennon Doyle, she has a chapter called Knots. And whether anyone reads any of the book, that chapter it was so beautiful because she talks about Abby. They were in a church to do some speaking event. And Abby said, you know how much I hate like being here. I just, I'm uncomfortable because I felt like when I chose being true to myself, I had to leave, you know, the church and leave what my parents and people thought I should be. And then Glennon said, you took God with you. Like, God isn't in the church. God is in you and he created you exactly how you are. And when we leave this church today, we're bringing God with us to our home together. So it's, I I believe one of our problems that we do is we put like a blanket statement on something. I am religious or I'm Christian or I'm whatever. And then these are my beliefs and I go to church because this is it. You can have a much stronger relationship with God in the comfort of your home being exactly who you are than going and pretending to be someone you're not just to, you know,
1: seem like fit in a box. Yeah.
0: Well, and it's that way with everything. Think about it. I was just going to say that.
1: That's what the beautiful thing that just the, all the parallelisms of, you know, sometimes I'm closer with God and sometimes I'm not, that, that is, that is living and learning and growing and changing and becoming who, who you're meant to be. I mean, that is a beautiful thing. And I'm, I'm personally going through something with someone in my life where we're going through that right now with faith. And I think it's awesome because if you don't question it,
0: then did you, I mean, well, and what's, well what is blind faith? Day. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a totally another argument that I'm totally down to help unpack at another time, another podcast, but I just, I think we all are in whatever, whatever the journey you're on, we are in a different place. And like, Mm -hmm. I, again, I have to still tell myself, like, it's okay to be in a different place than somebody else's and whether it's religion or being gay or race or Anything in the world. I mean, we've we've hit on a lot of t- topics, but like at the end of the day, you—it's not all or nothing. It's like it's even take it to politics. I don't think every person that votes a certain way believes you don't have to believe everything, everything. that's on the list, yep, right. and vice versa. And if I start cutting out people in my life because of one opinion they share, mm-hmm. sad goodbye. There's—I mean—that's a really good way to be isolated. That's a really yeah. good way to put myself back in that little box. So part of mm-hmm. me coming out it has not been me asking everyone in my life to change, but it's also me telling Steph, like, you've got to be more, I mean, literally two days ago, I had this conversation, like, you have to take a deep breath. This was not a personal attack on you. You need to listen to where the other person's coming from and understand that their perspective is shaped based on their unique experience. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't make it wrong. It just makes it different than mine.
2: Yeah. And I really like that you touched on you know sometimes i'm closer to god sometimes i'm not because when you are isolated as a young kid going through all of this and feeling so alone like that's having faith can save you like it can fill you with so much comfort and love if it is used the right way i mean that does that make sense so if yeah. it's not almost used against you like right. well this is wrong because this is what this church says but no, this is just my relationship with faith.
0: Exactly. It has nothing
2: to do with this place or this church or what this person said. This well,
0: is
2: me having this relationship.
0: You look at, you even just look about like how many different iterations of Christianity are there? Yeah. Catholicism. And then you take every other religion, whether you're Jewish or Buddhist or Muslim or whatever it is, all of these are different ways of looking at the world and they're all different perspectives and I have mine that I that makes my world make sense. It doesn't make someone else's invalid. Mm-hmm. And I don't know when I talk when I'm talking to somebody who is like not religious. My blanket statement that is, I think, if everybody was in a room, you take Buddha and and Jesus and Moses and and all the different people, Allah, all, uh, everybody. That there's a there's a common theme here, and it's not to live of life based on judgment. And I think what it boils down to is being kind to other people. And I think that's, you know, that's a big deal. They've all got the same message. So let's stop judging each other so much because you live, worship, love a different way than I do.
2: A lot of the things are a middleman's version of something that isn't what it's about.
0: Agreed. Mm -hmm. And just take the fact that it doesn't, we don't have to agree on everything to be kind to each other.
2: Yes. Yep. Anything. Mm -hmm. So after all of this, what gave you that courage? What gave you that, you know, self-love to come out finally?
0: That's a great question. (laughs) Um, I would say that, and I'm going to quote, and I recommend, there's a couple so I recommend anyone who has not, Who if you have a child that's LGBTQ, if that's why you're listening to this, or if you're a member of the LGBTQ like community and you aren't out or you're listening to this and you want to know more, or you just have a secret that is something that's eating you up and that you have a hard time, like you don't you don't know how to talk about, I recommend listening or going to YouTube and watching. It's a TED Talk video by a girl, a woman named Ash Beckham. Mm -hmm. So she lives in Colorado. We actually sent her a normal shirt back in the day. Um and she does this thing and it's about coming out of closets and basically that we all have closets. Um, my closets walls were rainbow colored, but the whole concept of is that having hard conversations hard is not harder. It's just hard. Mm-hmm. There is nothing that says that coming out of the closet as a gay person and telling someone that you cheated on them or telling your, your five-year-old that you have to get a divorce. And I'm like quoting her word for word here on what she said. Mm-hmm. Cause I watched it yesterday, mm-hmm. but, um, hard is not harder. It's, it's, it's relative. Hard is yes. just hard and you're hard. I, I, there's things. And I think anybody probably, most people listening to this are very familiar with both your stories. There are both things that you two have experienced that in my opinion are, it is an unbelievably impressive that you get up out of bed every day and you smile. And on top of that, you're trying to make the world a better place. But like, I can't even comprehend what it was, what some of the things you guys have gone through. And I'm sure in some capacity, you feel the exact same way towards me, but it doesn't make my experience. And I don't want to compare, but like each person's individual experience in the world is their own and it can be hard and scary and, or it can be easy to them and look hard and scary to you. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think what everybody just wants is to, to be seen Mm -hmm. like, and I've said that six times now, but what it's like to be in that closet is it's like you're holding a grenade you are in, I'm in that closet and I'm holding this grenade and I've gotten the pins out and I am just holding onto it for dear life. And every single muscle of my body was tense. And I am just at, and I was on edge at all time, Like every minute of the day, I said, I used to be afraid of coming out in my sleep because I talked in my sleep. Like I was so afraid. Yeah. And when I decided to pull that pin out and walk out of the closet and throw that grenade, and again, I'm going to steal this from Ash Beckham because I think she put it like, I burnt the pages of the script that my family had been reading from my whole life. Colleen, I think you referenced earlier, CS, you had that each parent has a vision for their child's life. So everybody has this vision of what, your life, their child's life is going to look like. And when I walked out and I pulled the pen, I was burning the pages to that book. Like I was just over here saying that unfortunately, everything that you wanted for me is gone. Wow. And I understand at the time, of course, I just wanted my parents to get it. And I wanted them to understand I was mad because you don't get me and you don't care to. And I was mad. And even when I came out at 25, I was, I was upset and mad. Like they, the reaction was not the one that I wanted. It was not the acceptance that I had earned or been given from all these people that were not my family. And so I think that's one of the reasons it was really hard for me because I wanted my family, the people most important to me to accept me the way that I felt like I had been accepted by all these other people. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I am so much, I would say how I have the confidence, like coming out was scary as hell. When I, I I wrote a letter to my parents, mailed it to them, then was so scared, went over to their house. They caught me getting out of the mail. <laughs> and I then had, my mom was like, oh, did you send us a Christmas card? And I was like, no, I didn't. And I was like, but you can read this. And I sat there and she read it and she cried and I was horrified. I mean, it was <laughs> I'm so, I wanted to leave she wanted to leave everybody wanted to leave um but I can tell you that doing that has made me nothing that I built up in my head and let me tell you that when you're a gay person especially I also want to point out that when you're getting ready to come out like you I've been in this box I've been in my closet holding my grenade and every, the worst case scenario, like let's, let's like get your forks and pitchforks and run her out of town. Like I, when I wrote that letter, I had to come to a place that I was ready or emotionally prepared. I was not going to be ready. And so don't, that's not the right word, but I was emotionally prepared to lose the most important people in my life because, and it was terrifying. And I thought, and even after I did come out, I thought, I mean, I, there was, it was rough for a while. It's amazing now. And I'm so glad that I did and I'm able to have, I missed out on 10 years of relationship with my parents who, despite, you know, us having different views of the world in a lot of ways are two of my best friends in the entire world. Like I love, I hit the lottery in life. My parents are amazing. My mom qualifies for sainthood. Like she's, an absolutely astonishing woman. Um, If I grow up to be half the person she is, I will count myself incredibly lucky. But, you know, I was, I was, it was so hard because that's the place I had to get to, to know that I'm getting ready to throw the grenade. I'm going to burn the pages of the book. And you have every right at that point as another human being to say, you know what? I'm just not interested in where this story's going. All these things that happened to me of my entire, like it's, and I think that everybody looks back on your life and it's, It's a step. And I came to this place and each thing that happened prepared me for the next thing. I was ready at that moment because I had spent so many years. I was so sick of my hand was exhausted. My fingers were slipping off that trigger. I couldn't hold it inside of me anymore or it was going to kill me.
2: Yeah.
0: And again, I'm going to reference this Ash Beckham thing. So she talks about like when when you have a secret and you're holding that grenade, it's shooting cortisol and stress into every part of your body. And cortisol leads to cancer, diabetes, heart problems. I mean, back pain, What, whatever. There's all, it manifests in all sorts of different ways. And I was physically making myself sick mm-hmm. because I was so afraid. And like, I can't even remember now what it was like to not be out. Can't even remember. I remember it being terrible, but like, Good. it's only been five years, six years. Hell, I'm 31 now. Uh, Reggie Miller, year of life. Um, go Indiana. Uh, But I I can't even remember what it's like, but all those things and coming out, like it's the greatest thing I ever did in my life. It was right. hard. It sucked. We ripped the bandaid off and had awkward conversations and, you know, hidden conversations and everything my parents said I read into as a slide about gay people and everything I said they read as an agenda of the gay people. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, like it was hard on everybody, but it was, I think you know, my parents, like my dad, I know my dad has talked to Taylor and, you know, I said, ask her like, you know, when did you come out? And blah, blah, blah Kind of wanted her story and just said, you know, I'm so glad Steph finally told us because I missed my, my little girl. Ugh. And like, that breaks my heart. And I didn't realize how much I missed. Like I have cried with my mom, you know, my mom's, I think like a lot of her mom, she's the talker. She's the one who's you know, we get the, the feelings with, and like, just, I'm, and i one of my biggest regrets is like, I just wish I would have had the courage to do it at 15. So I one, didn't have to do it twice. And two, I just missed so much with my parents. And I, part of it is on me that I wouldn't talk to them about it. Now I was a kid and I am going to take some of like, not blame myself because I was 15 and I didn't help. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know how to talk to about my, with my parents. And it's not like Gen Z who's out here like, we are gay, I know my pronouns, I am pansexual, which I like, you know, like, I don't discriminate against anyone. Like, there was, none of that existed. So I just, I I am so happy that where I am, for where I am now, and I wouldn't change anything. But my, my advice would just be that like, like, let that grenade go. Like, mine just happened. It took a minute, but when it exploded, it was rainbow paint on the walls and a big party. And I have a partner that I love that is my best friend and parents that love her and accept us. And it's, I will say there's a difference between acceptance and tolerance. Mm. There are still moments that like, even with my own parents, I wish that they would ask, how does this make you feel? Or how, you know, my, like my parents for a while, it was hard for them to introduce to every one of their friends that, okay, we have a gay daughter. And at one point my mom asked, how do you want me to introduce Taylor? Mm-hmm. And it, when it was really early, I was like, you can just call her my friend. If, you know, it's hard for you, you know, you, whatever you want to do, mom. But then as you know, time went on, like my mom brought it up to me and was like, I just don't feel right doing that. And I was like, well, okay, great. Cause yeah, I feel terrible about it. Every time you say it, it feels like a rejection. Yeah. But it it is, you know, it's, it's an everyday thing. I remember watching
2: the show, Modern Family and Jesse Tyler Ferguson. Yeah. And it shows so much of his relationship with his father and where you said the tolerance versus acceptance thing. It rung so true in that show where his golf buddies, he would tell them a different version or something until he finally was almost proud to speak of his gay son. You know, like he had to almost come out of that closet of his own. To Absolutely. Say,
0: That's that a closet. Son. I love it. My parents had to come out of the closet to let their friends know now. And since then, like my dad has talked to me about it. He now has told me where friends of his who have gay children or children that just come out have come talk to him and said, how, how do you deal with this? Mike, you have, you, I know you have a daughter that's gay and I know that, you know, you guys have a good relationship. So how do you deal with it? And he, you know, it was something that was so special. to me. he said, you know, I just told him like, it's your daughter. There's no choice here get over it learn to be okay with it be it because it's your daughter and like you just love her and i can tell you in december of 2015 or whatever it was that was not my or 14 that was not mike's perspective but here we are and i mean this was on that was probably 3 years ago that he said that
1: that's so, so beautiful that's so awesome like what a yeah. pleasure for your parents to be able to grow through that i
2: and he's the right. representation for his friends now. Like he is
0: paving exactly. the path
2: for other people to be inspired by and learn from.
0: Absolutely. And then I mean, I think, I think honesty, I mean, the biggest thing, here's the thing is you can't, you can't go into a conversation where you're going to serve realness. I'm going to come in and I'm going to tell you who I am. And I this goes for any conversation, not just being gay, talking to your kids about being gay is. If you don't if you go into a conversation and you're ready to get real and vulnerable and tell someone this is how I feel and this is why and it's if this is who I am, so I need you to accept it, Mm -hmm. you've got to be prepared for realness in return. Yeah. And that might mean it's it's not pretty and it's clunky and it might be angry and completely because a lot of people, I think the world right now, so many people's belief systems are being challenged that our reaction to that is to retreat and to protect it and I don't, and protect, I'm going to block out the world because I want to hold on so, because I think something is challenging my way of life. Mm -hmm. And that was hard. Like I had to do a lot of personal growth and accept the fact. And like that my parents aren't perfect people. Mm -hmm. They're, They're not, they're just two people that are training the very best with the life based on their personal experience. And I think the best thing we can all do is, and I think how change happens in the world is like, Having conversations, having a conversation about what this experience is like for you and not jumping in to say, well, this is what I think and this is how I feel and this is what you should think and how you should feel, but just to listen. Yeah. Don't don't need to respond, is just listen.
2: I totally agree because you want to go into it anticipating the reaction you want to get, but you have to be prepared to not get the reactions you always want in life. Because how people perceive and digest things isn't always how you wrote it out to be. It could be horrible. It could be way more pleasant than you anticipated it being. You know, you just don't know. And I love that you made that point. You have to be prepared for realness in return.
0: It's not, this is, there is no rule book to life. If there's anything, especially that 2020 has taught me, is we, you cannot take a single thing for granted. Um, and I'm going to go off on another tangent here. So I, most people know Naya Rivera was a celebrity. She passed away. So she was on Glee and it hit me hard. And like, I'm definitely someone that's like, that was a celebrity. Relax. You did not know them. We don't need to like have like, you know, it's not like it was someone I knew passed away, Mm -hmm. but at the same time. So she was on Glee. It was when I was in college. She played, a, she played a lesbian, but goes, comes out. Like she dated a guy in the first season. And then it's like watching her whole story of like her understanding her first relationship, her fear of telling her parents, her grandparents, her grandmother's reaction, like all these things that I went through. And so like, I really leaned into that and I used it as a source of comfort.
2: Yeah. To have that to have that representation you saw yourself in that character and it's easy to see yourself in characters when you are of the majority if you're not represented you don't have those connections to relate to and witness what you feel like is yourself like a connection to the world because you're just almost cast aside in the shadows
0: absolutely
2: side character like you said yeah
0: my mom recently asked me I used the word marginalized." And she goes, "I hear that. that's like a word people use a lot right now, but what does it mean? And I said, the actual definition of being marginalized is that you're just basically in a group that gets pushed to the side, mm-hmm. that your you as a you or as a group or as an individual don't matter. And like I talk I think I've talked a lot about just like what a difference that feeling of being seen had in my life. Um, and I think it has happens in en- everyone's life. And I will tell you that even like as a kid, Naya Rivera Glee was a big deal for me. Understanding, again, I also wanna make the point that I am only 31. Like this isn't like this, ha- I'm not 51. This didn't happen 25 years ago, 30 right. years ago. This happened five and 10 years ago. Right. You know, it's it's just the world has changed a lot, I guess is my point in saying that, that like this was not that long ago that things were very, very different. And I think it's wonderful how much more representation there is and how many more outlets that our, our kids and, and we all have to not only like learn and, and better ourselves, but to see ourselves in the world because... You know LGBT, like I talked about, my rainbow, my walls of my closet are rainbow. But like everybody has a closet that they've come out of or something that they identify that's really personal to them. And seeing that depicted, I feel like it just gives you that I'm not out here alone. This is this didn't just happen to me. It just it makes you feel like you got a place in the world. And it's like my problems are real problems. And like, do you know how much hair there is when you're two women dating? Like a lot, like there is a lot of things like she steals my clothes and I'm like, where the heck did that go? You know, there's, there's there's all sorts of like the funny stuff that I see in relationships that are unique to being two women, but it's also just, I don't know. There's something, there's something about seeing it on TV and seeing my life depicted that is just so cathartic.
2: And the world has gotten so much better but it needs to keep getting better. Like, we can't stop here. It can't be like, okay, we'll finally cast a Black Bachelor or we'll finally put one gay couple on TV. Okay, just like you said. It How could about be a two- gay bachelor? Yeah. <sighs> and it could be two males, but what about where are females? I like, feel like
0: oof, we so have spicy. to have
2: representation of everything to give people the ability to be seen and feel, you know, this is my normal and I'm. Surrounded by acceptance and love for just being me, exactly.
1: that's that's a really good point. And I was thinking, if you aren't privileged enough to have diversity in your personal life so that you can weave those conversations <clears throat> in with with your family, your kids, whomever, then really, TV and social media that's that's where you can have those talkable talkable, teachable moments. Mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. if that was worded right, but um, you know, it's it's Your life is what it is, but you can learn what you want to. So it's out there and you just, some people are fortunate enough that they have a a gay best friend or, uh, you know, whatever it may be, but not everybody can relate.
0: And so you have to learn. So one of the things I think that you just said that's awesome is fortunate enough to have a gay best friend and, or something like that. Someone in your life, somebody to give you perspective, because yeah. here's the thing. Like, I think we all want to know, like, what's that like? I have qu- lots of questions for like, I, we could turn this into be Steph's podcast and be like, so what's it like to live with a man? <laughs> yeah. A lot. Just, like, oh, no. Sweaty body hair. <laughs> gross. Not for me. Yeah. Like, Oh, <laughs> so when you guys see two, like a man and a woman kiss, it doesn't gross you out. It doesn't make you yeah, yeah, good for you. Um, <laughs> I I have lots of questions for my straight friends about like weird. That's, that's a weird thing. Didn't even ever think about that. Um, but I say that like one of the things I, 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 as I think I've demonstrated on this podcast, I like to talk just as much as both Colleen's do. So I, (laughs) Mm I feel so fortunate that I have been out in at least some capacity for as long as I have, because I can tell you one thing that no one, I don't know why anyone would choose to be gay. Not that I'm not happy with who I am and not that I feel like I got the short end of the stick in life because I am gay, but because why would anyone choose to make their life harder? I grew up in a small, very small town, very religious family, um, a family that I felt expectations from a very young age to be and look and act a certain way. But I feel so fortunate that through my experience I have been able to relate to so many people that are not like me that I'm a lot of I've had a lot of I've been a lot of people's first gay friend or first out openly gay friend where and had a lot of really vulnerable conversations and asked aw- and answered awkward questions and been like thankfully again I have no problem sharing any intimate detail of my life I am an open book I love to talk but I feel so fortunate that I feel like I've been able to answer some questions for people that weren't prejudiced or bad people or didn't like, people. they just didn't know. They just didn't know again. So they had some questions like, and some of them could have been construed as offensive and I could have gotten mad and been like, well, you need to know better. And you be, you should be more educated and don't, don't ask me that. That's completely inappropriate. Like, but instead I just took, I saw this person that was trying to understand. Yeah. And I just tried to meet them where they are. And I think I feel really fortunate that like I have, in some small way, been able to impact people's lives, whether it's to give them perspective or, you know, I've had, I have been out at this point for a while and I have a friend who is like a living embodiment of positivity. Her name is also Colleen, random. Um, Her name's Colleen Richie and she, uh, big fan of Mama Said Tease, big fan of every kind. was all over like reposting the normal campaign thousands of places. Like she's just one of those people like she is in your corner, loyal to a fault, like gonna like ride or die on whatever the cause is that's important to you. But she tells me all the time and she's like a big blogger and that kind of thing. And she'll be like, I just want to, you know, recognize my friend Steph for being out and sharing her love and being unapologetically who she is. And like, I never thought about it that way. Like I'm just out here like being smiles, like just trying to be happy and live my life. And and don't get me wrong, like I have a mood swings with the best of them. So like on any given day, I'm not a peach. But I, I, I feel so fortunate that being me has impacted just even if it's just her life in some way that I allowed her to live her truth in a little in some capacity because I was out living mine. That is the greatest blessing in the entire world. Like, thank God that I'm gay because what a cool story that I got. Like one person that makes like, it's just, it makes you feel amazing. And I, that's my advice to anybody, whether, no matter what your thing is. And I can't remember whose quote this is, but there's a quote that it's not our darkness, but our light that most frightens us because who am I to be like in the spotlight and the person and, and who am I to be great and wonderful but the question is, who are you not to be? There is only one you, there's only one Steph Miles in the world. And it's an, it's an or a disservice to everybody else. If I try to be someone that I'm not. And so, you know, the end of that quote goes, when we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people the, the right or the freedom to, to let their own light shine. And that's all I can say is that There is someone, everyone, every person that you meet has some battle they're fighting that you don't know anything about it. They're in a closet that the walls may not be rainbow. They might be any number of things, but they might, that little bit of encouragement or just seeing someone else live their truth. I can tell you for me, it's like seeing representation. It gave me the freedom to, it's okay to be who I am. And I think at the end of the day, that's all any of us want is just to be accepted and seen for who we are.
2: You are amazing Steph. Colleen and I, we, I don't know if we have told you, but after our Let's redefine Normal campaign, we just sat and talked about you and we were just in awe of how much you just stood in yourself and now knowing you did that a year after coming out, was it just, it was fresh.
0: It was like, I think it was like four months later. Four months. (laughs) Five months later.
2: No, I had been out for a while, but yeah. Yeah. And you were just like, here I am. I am speaking it to the world, not just like my parents. Oh, I'm going to go ahead and be seen on this YouTube video by Lord knows how many people. And this is me. Like, see me, hear me. And take it or leave it. This is who I am. And you inspired us so much. Like there were things you said that have literally stuck. I'll never forget them. They've changed my life for sure. Because you just were so confident in being you that when we learned your story, it was almost like, oh my gosh, how, how, Did this person go through all of this and now be exactly who they are today? And hearing all of it, and hopefully, our audience hears all of it, and they can just feel well, dang, like what's holding me back?
0: What's holding
2: me back from being exactly who I am?
0: I don't know that I've ever received a better compliment so and I'm not extraordinarily other than I mean I'm totally down for you guys to continue saying nice things about me but (laughs) um I I I that is that is an incredibly kind compliment but I can tell you that it's very it's vice versa I mean like I I think I said this earlier but like it lit my heart on fire that day being a part of that I am very grateful for that it's still something that like I talk about regularly and I can tell you that change I mean it's just you guys are making a difference in the way that I needed someone to back in the day like back when I needed someone and especially people that aren't like you each have your unique experiences but your mission is not focused on those two unique experiences your mission is how do I understand the world better how do we make this a place that's not us versus them but it's we and I think that day was really special to me too so I and like anyways like I said I really appreciate you saying that that was very kind it was uh huge deal. And I think it goes to that acceptance versus tolerance. And you guys, you know, and I, I, if anyone who has not watched Queer Eye, it is not just a makeover show, go out, it's on Netflix, watch Queer Eye, it's called QE. It is, it is each show is an emotional roller coaster of laughter, tears and happiness, where it is, it's, you know, they say that the first show was about fighting for tolerance. Now it's about acceptance. And that just being okay with someone can still hurt, but acknowledging, and even if you don't know the right words to say or how to deal with it, but just trying exactly what, like redefining the world word normal, trying to figure out what does normal look like to other people or just asking the question of, okay, how, Hey, I wasn't really sure how to handle this or, you know, can I talk to you about it? Can I ask you a question? That's, it's all everybody's looking for is just the other people to try. And I think you guys do an incredible job of that. So that's why I was so excited to do this today.
2: Yeah. The willingness to learn about all of these things. I always, I, when people say the word like-minded join this group with like-minded people, I can't stand it because why would you want to just surround yourself with people who only think, eat, breathe, act like you, you're limiting your life experience And like you said, you grew up in a small town and went to a religious school and had very conservative upbringings. If you stay in that and you don't learn all the other amazing parts of our world, like that's on you. Like you have, we, everyone has to take responsibility for their own knowledge and education. And we mentioned this in previous episodes, and I'm so passionate about it right now that It's on us. It's on us to do the work. So if you might be in that small town with a bunch of like-minded people, well, okay. Go Google something. Like, go pick up a book. You have to put it on you to start learning in order to make change. And you can't just expect that, A, the world is going to all be how you want it to be, or that people are just going to come and educate you someday when you need to know. Get out and do the work. If you're confused about things on the news, educate yourself and then form an opinion, like form a thought that isn't just conditioned into who you were raised to be.
1: Amen. And that would be clearly my,
2: my blood boils. When
1: I it does. Reason. This is nothing. <laughs> this is really nothing. It, it should be open minded people because, yeah, I've never really thought about it like that before, like light bulb in my head. Like but, sure,
2: we want kind people <laughs> to follow every kind, but at least kindness is not like, okay, you have to be this way and this sexuality and this color skin and this whatever in order to be kind. No, you just be kind because everyone deserves kindness in their life. So maybe expand your horizons. If we feel like we're getting stuck in these groups of like-mindedness that doesn't allow growth and acceptance and love. Like there might be a problem there. (laughs) If you are. If you
0: never challenge your perspective, if you don't ever check your own thinking, um, which I believe you have a podcast that's entitled some of that quick. uh, (laughs) Everybody go check out that podcast too. Um, But if you don't ever your marketing coordinator. I'm, I'm a woman of many talents. Um, I, But if I don't ever challenge, because like, I, again, I started this out, like I am not, I don't know how it is for all gay people. I can tell you stories that were so much harder than mine. I've, again, you know, but if you don't challenge your own perspectives, you can't grow. And I think so much right now, we're like, everyone feels like I have to, you know, if I say this, I'm doing the wrong thing. If I do this, I'm doing the wrong thing. I'm not doing enough, but she won't shut up about it, but I need to do more. And it, well, they're all crazy and it's the left or it's the right. Like yes. at the end of the day, we are all people. Yeah. And, I, and this goes for the globe for me. Like we are all people that I, I believe that at the core, most people are good mm-hmm. and we are all trying. And I, as a person, like, again, I've definitely have some all different political views than my parents do. And I get frustrated sometimes. I think we no one should, we, we should really just stop talking about politics in life, but <laughs> I... I realized that I was so concerned with the fact that they had the wrong perspective that I never sat down and listened to why they had their perspective. And I don't have to agree with it. I don't have to agree with it at all. But if I don't listen to it, I'm just doing the exact thing that I'm mad at them for doing for not that. I was mad at them for doing my whole life for not seeing me or listening to me or caring to ask why I felt the way that I did.
1: You just say all the right best things. From my brain, <laughs> it's that was so, so spot perfect. Ugh. It really. I'm, is. I'm just Steph? like going back and forth. Like, what's the best thing she said? I can't decide. Yeah, there's nervous. too many.
2: <laughs> there's too many. Steph, you are amazing. You are literally a light. Hopefully, a guide for people listening to this. Whether. They know someone. They are someone. They just want to have an open mind about anything in life and just want to feel seen and true to themselves for just being who they are. I mean, we can't thank you enough. We love you so much and know that this is going to help so many people.
0: Well, it was an absolute pleasure to be on the show with you guys today. And like I said, I mean, I... You two are out making the world a better place. So everything you just said about me is just a small percentage of what at least myself and a lot of other people see you guys putting in the world every day. So it is truly an honor and a privilege to be here. And I appreciate it. I'm excited. So we are so excited.
2: Where can our audience go find you and follow along with all of your happiness?
0: Oh, fun. A uh, social media at uh, Tef Smiles. That would be T-E-P-H-S-M-I-L-E-S you know, life, there's a lot of curly hair and cats around here. So if you're interested (laughs) in that kind of stuff, um, I recently am walking again, I had a broken ankle. So I know a lot of TikTok dances from the waist up, but have learned that unfortunately, my legs are wildly uncoordinated. So I my big TikTok debut is probably going to be put off for a couple of months. But uh, by all means, and I think the same thing goes, and I know this is going to sound super cheesy. But like, if you're listening to this, and you've got a kid, or a hard conversation or a family member or whatever it is, something in your life that something I touched on was relatable by all means, reach out to Colleen, Colleen, follow me on Instagram, send me a message. Like I am a person that very much believes the more conversations we have, especially with people are different, the better the world, the better place a world is. And I've always got five or 10 or 15 minutes or an hour to talk about life and where you're at and where you're coming from. Cause I think conversations save lives and they change the world.
1: Oh my gosh conversations can save lives
2: yes
1: the right words strung together so much pressure
2: (laughs) that was it's so good it's also good I want to just keep going but maybe we'll just have a part two in the future uh thank you so much Steph we love you we
0: love love you you. guys so much it was so great let's do this again all right that sounds good